0: Looking at our world from
1: a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, October the 5th, 2023. It is currently 1.54 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. I haven't gotten a lot of things done today, and so I I I need to do something spiritual, right? I I really thought that by this time today I would have done, you know, who knows how many different broadcasts. Who and things have not quite worked out that way. So what I need to do is I need to do something. I need to do some, I need some spiritual food for myself. I need to engage in something spiritual. So I was, I was going to pick a sermon and I was going to listen to a sermon. And so why not let's just do that together, right? I mean, that's how the sermon reviews kind of work anyway, right? Sermon reviews is where I'm listening to a sermon for the very first time and I'm listening to it with you. So in this particular case, I, I need to listen to something. So I grab what I did is I grabbed my iPad. I opened up the sermons 2.0 app. I just started going through everything in my feed and I saw something referred something a sermon called Micah, the dirt bag, Micah, the dirt bag. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting title. Let's use that. So then I looked it up. I downloaded it. I then started. I hit play. Realized the first like thirty minutes is like singing. It's like a typical church service. So I I, I skipped all of that. And what? Well, we're we're going to listen to it. I have no idea what to expect. Micah the dirt bag. I have no idea what to expect. But I know this. It's it's going to be preaching. It's going to be a sermon. So that means we get a chance to dig into the, to the word of God and maybe we will like it. Maybe we won't. Maybe we will agree. Maybe we will disagree. We don't really know, but I know this. We will benefit greatly from the exercise of listening to a sermon, digging into the scriptures, determining whether these things that we hear, whether we agree or disagree, maybe being challenged. Maybe, maybe we'll find our entire perspective being changed. I, I don't know what to expect. But I know that I have two Bibles right here. I have two pencils. I have notebooks. I have a Bible dictionary down here on the floor. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully we will all benefit from it. Now, right before we get started, I just want to take a moment to say this to those of you who have emailed me um, Thank you. Some of you have emailed me because of the situation where we're constantly trying to figure out what the future of this podcast is going to look like and and the, 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 the rise, I mean the cost is going up and for us to bring us for, for, to bring you this broadcast. So some of you have emailed me for someone emailed me and they were apologetic that they could not help. They could not offer any financial support, and I felt horrible. I felt horrible. Look, if you can't, that's okay. The goal is to keep this broadcast going as much as possible. Never put anything behind a paywall. Make it as free for everyone, not have certain levels where if you give this much money, you get this and you get... No, make all the content free to everyone around the world. So to those who cannot support, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't feel bad. It's perfectly okay thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Thank you for any encouraging emails. Thank you for anything like that. So just don't worry about it. And for those who were were able to offer some kind of support, thank you so very much. I Trust me, I do not take it for granted, and we will continue moving forward and just see what the future holds. We're not going to worry about it. I'm not going to talk about it. We're not going to We're just going to see, we're going to see either, either there'll be support or there won't be support. And we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. All right. In the meantime, let's do what we do right here on Theology Central. Let's make Theology Central. Let's talk about scripture. Let's talk about what's going on in American Christianity. Let's talk about what's happening in the world. Let's dig in doctrine, theology, church history, sermon reviews, Bible studies. We're just going to continue to focus on what we do and whatever happens Happens, and that's the way I'm going to approach it. So, are you ready? I hope you're ready. Here we go. Oh, it's called Micah the Dirt Bag. I have no idea where this is going to go. I have no idea where this is going to go. I have I have some I I have maybe some suspicions, but we will see. But it should be interesting. It should be fun. So, grab a Bible, open it. I, I think I know where we're going to be. My 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 suspicion is we're going to be in the book of Judges. That's my suspicion. That's my suspicion. Uh, so you go ahead and probably find the book of Judges and uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out together and uh, we'll see. We'll see. The main thing is we're going to try to gain. Remember, sermon reviews are not necessarily designed to be critical, right? Sermon reviews, again, is the idea that, hey, I need to do something spiritual today. It's almost 2 p.m. Central time. I haven't done anything spiritual today. I need to do something spiritual. So if I'm going to sit here in this studio and listen to a sermon or do something spiritual, why not turn on the microphone and invite everyone else to spend some time with me doing something spiritual? That's the way that we don't do sermon reviews because, Oh, this one's going to be bad and we can criticize. No, it's never anything like that. It's like, Oh, here's a sermon online. Let's, let's, let's use it together to see what we can gain from it spiritually. Some listen. Sometimes the sermons we disagree with the most. Are the ones that are most spiritually beneficial if we will then take those and really dig in. Sometimes they're not. (laughs) Sometimes they lead to great frustration. You just never know. So the word of God's going to be opened. We're going to dig in. And hopefully, when it's all said and done, we can all say that we had a good spiritual meal. And I should not talk about eating because I have not eaten today and I'm physically starving, but I'm going to put, I'm going to set aside physical food, right? For spiritual food, right? And that's, if you think about it, not, not to get into an entire lesson, it's really the essence of fasting is where we deny physical food so that we emphasize spiritual food. I'm not saying that I'm fasting because if I am, I would not be announcing it because that would be wrong. I'm just saying I'm thinking about what is currently hap- transpiring here in a roundabout way. It does capture the essence. Fasting is where you deny yourself physical food so that you partake and focus and feed yourself spiritual food you're putting the spiritual above the physical it's a discipline and it really has great it, it's supposed to help you in a lot of other areas as well we could we could have an entire discussion there so if you hear my stomach growling i apologize for that this microphone is very sensitive so you hear that's my stomach okay but we're going to i'm going to set aside the desire for physical food and I'm going to put my focus on spiritual food and let's see what we learn about Micah, the dirt bag. You can find the sermon on sermons 2.0 or the sermon audio website. You should look it up. You should download it. And, uh, you, I don't know if we're going to review the whole thing, uh, but if we don't, you should. And even if we, even if we do review the whole thing, you should still go download it and listen to it. So they get a download and they get a stream and, uh, And be grateful that they put their sermons online so that other people can benefit from it spiritually. Because I'm going into this to see what spiritual benefit I can gain from this. So I hope you're ready. Here we go.
0: Amen. Judges in chapter number 17. Judges in chapter uh, number 17. And uh, to be honest with you, I just prayed about the theme. Remember me. And I, I'll just say this. I love the theme, but it is very, uh, it's like Cincinnati chili. It's a very unique theme. Amen. I've never, well, as soon as he said, we're having a missions conference, the theme is remember me. I was like, whoa, not lost souls or win them while we can or something, I mean, something like that usually is a mission. Uh, site, but I, I just started praying, Lord, remember me and, uh, and uh, talk to pastor about it. And, and, uh, and one of the things that just the Lord put on my, my heart as I was I was praying and it was, uh, it was this thought that the number one the number one thing a missionary needs, I believe this and the number one thing a missionary needs, uh, because I think their entire ministry stems from and, uh, and, and is built upon this foundation, is a local church, a good Sending church uh, missionaries. I mean, biblically, I know. I know places do it, people do it, whatever. Uh, uh, but, but biblically, what someone needs to go out and do the word of God is the foundation that Christ laid uh, uh, here at, in the local church, and they need a strong. A local church. And so uh, as strong as the families are in this church, uh, and as, as strong as this church is going to be, and, uh, and, and as strong as this church is, uh, uh, the more help it is going to be to the missionaries that it sends. And uh, uh, Brother Sean was talking about just good to be home it's just i mean he, this is home to them and it's good to come back and and uh one of the things and I, this i know this sounds weird uh, uh i've said it before people go it's oh, weird and that's why i say i know it sounds weird i'll just admit this off the top uh but when uh when i met my wife one of the things that attracted her to me i mean i like i was like man i just i love this about her she grew up in the same town her whole life Grew up in Yakima, Washington her whole life. She lived, when she was... Three years old, they moved from the house she was she lived in when she was born, and they moved into uh, uh, her grandparents' house. and uh, And they they were there at her uh, grandfather's house, and because he her grandmother had passed away, and and uh, and so they just moved in there with uh, her grandpa and and her and her nine siblings, right? Uh, all of them that were there in that house, and and she lived there her whole life. Now, now me, uh, where dad started churches, and we moved like every three to four years. Uh, and We're in a new city and a new church and in a new house. I'm telling you, I just thought when I got talking to her, I was just fascinated that she grew up in the same home her whole life. Just was like awesome to me. And uh, and she liked to go and she would go back and and uh, she knew every nook and cranny of Yakima, Washington. I mean, she just, I mean, it was just home uh, uh, to her. And I, I'm just telling you, uh, uh, I know of missionaries uh, who would give the testimony uh, that they went home and the church wasn't what it used to be right. Right. Uh, I mean missionaries that went home and, 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 and just things weren't uh, uh, going in, a, in, a, in the direction they were when they left and went to the field and and there was no communication with the missionary i mean it's just like the sending church just was a a, uh just a name only i mean this is our sending church and there was no communication that was talked about uh uh, earlier and 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 there was no no relationship uh really other than the fact of the feather in the cap of the church that they'd sent out a missionary and 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 listen that's not uh uh, what a missionary is a a missionary is an extension of of this body in another location doing and emulating the same work as a reflection of what this local church is, should be everything that that missionary is. And I, I, I'm i just telling you, that's the way God intends it to be, I believe, uh, 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 tonight. Uh, of-
1: okay, don't really know what this has to do with Judges 17. I, I'm a little interested to see where this is going because this is kind of his opening you know, pulling people in. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming this is some kind of missions conference, maybe. I, I I don't know. But I so we don't know what this has to do with Judges 17. I will just just because, you know, I'll just throw this out there because I have a very strong opinion about missionaries and missionary work and how I've watched it happen and uh, that i'm very i'm in I'm probably in the minority of 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 the I may actually stand alone on my perspective okay I don't know how you've seen it, but at least in the churches I've been a part of you'll have i put it this way I get calls almost weekly from someone who's like, Hey, I'm a missionary from so-and-so. I don't know who they are. They just call me, Hey, I'm a missionary from so-and-so. We're going to be in your area. We would like to come by and present our work. And so they're, 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 they're out. I think it's called deputation is what they're doing. They're going, they're going out from church to church, to church, to church, to church, to raise support. So some family, a missionary family shows up. They, 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 they have a little display. They, they usually have a little video presentation. They tell you about the work and then they're like, Hey, please consider supporting us. And I Typically, the church will then take up a love offering to give them money so that they can then, you know, have money for, you know, the hotel. Maybe maybe the church will, you know, you know, maybe, maybe they'll let them stay with a family, whatever the case may be. But the church puts forth some money to help the missionary really get down the road to the next church. And then they go from that church to that church. And they go all over the place, sometimes a year, two years to raise money before they ever get to the mission field. Right? And this entire process of deputation and doing this, I, I am not a fan. I loathe it. I loathe it, loathe it. I loathe it from, t- from two perspectives. One, to me, the church that you are in. That should be the church that should raise the support and support you to go to the mission field. It should be considered. This is a ministry of our church. We are going to support this family and we're going to send them that you don't have to go in deputation. You don't have to raise any other support. This church is going to take the money and we're going to send you and we're going to support you and we're going to financially help you and we're going to take care of you until the work that you are building becomes sustainable to some level if it ever does. Now, if there are, if your church has a close working relationship with, say, four, five, six, seven other churches, then by all means, you can send that missionary, hey, you, the pastor calls the next church, hey, we're gonna be sending one of our missionary families to you and see if you guys want to support them. And then go to six or seven maybe churches that that church has a working relationship with. But just going across the country? For a year or two years to raise support from churches that the, that church doesn't really know you. You're never really going to know that church. The whole thing to me is just, it's, it, 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 I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Churches will spend money for, you know, fellowship halls and, and, and all the just activities and just nonsense. Take all that money and say, this family feels called to go to, Haiti, well, then we're going to put, we're going to get them to Haiti in, instantane. We're going to get them there as, as soon as they're trained and ready to go. We're, we're going to send them and we're going to support it a hundred percent. And that, that, the, the fa- that family shouldn't have to go from church to church to church. And I always hate it when I get those phone calls from a missionary because it's kind of like, well, all right, so they come in, all right, then my church then is, has to take up the financial responsibility really just to get them down the road. Well, now We've got to give them a love offering. We don't want to cheat them. You don't want to, you want to give them an offering that will be sustainable, that they're good to go, that, Hey, your family can have a good meal. You've got plenty of gasoline. You've got, you've got everything you need, but all that money is just to get them to the next church. And then that money that church gives is just, just to get them to the next church. Unless I can turn around and say, well, we're gonna start supporting you $100 a hundred dollars a week starting right now. What what's the point of coming to my church? If I cannot offer you the money, ultimately you're just going from church to church to church for what? To travel? To, 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 and I, I can't. Say, and then the missionaries typically, when they go on deputation, you know, the family has to be on their best behavior. Everybody has to look great, and then and then they, they have to give the standard missionary sermon because they don't want to preach anything that could offend anyone. They don't want. So everything's got to be just this very. Oh, it's just like everyone's following a template. I hate it. I think churches, individual churches should individually support the individual family completely, and they should go. He said, well, they, they, you can't support that many missionaries that way. No, but what's the point of saying you support 30 miss, missionaries and you're giving them $20 a month? And you don't even know these missionaries. You know, I, I, I can tell you what happened to us. We were supporting a missionary who was supposedly a, pris- a prison ministry, right? He was going to go into prisons and he was going to minister to people. And it was through this mission organization. And we were supporting this missionary. I don't know. I think it was like $50, maybe $100 a month. I don't know how, I think it was $100 a month. And then we we kind of started realizing something's not right here. And then we kind of started asking some questions and come to find out that person had quit. That person wasn't even in the ministry. That person had left And we were still sending a hundred dollars a month for a, like, it was like a year, I think maybe two years. And then we finally were like, wait a minute, something's wrong. And and we're like, why are we getting, so we had to contact the mission organization and we were pretty, I was, it was pretty like, I think, I don't even know if they ever, I think they, I don't think they ever sent any money back. Maybe they did. I can't remember. It, It turned into an ugly situation and it's like, that's the problem you're just supporting some family just shows up at your church and says hey we're so and so and we're and you send the money here and we're gonna go you 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 maybe you'll get their little you know update letters and even their update letters have to be the most manufactured and it's always got to be pot it's like sometimes the whole system is broken I hate the entire missionary system I hate it I think a local church if someone in that church feels a call to missions, that church should train them. Then that church should support them going to any language school they need, whether they're le- what language they're whether they're learning Russian or Arabic or whatever, or, or Japanese or, or whatever whatever language that they're learning. That you pay for, to get them, you get them equipped, you get them ready to go, right? And you tell this family, hey, we're going to be right here for you. you. Know the family? They come from within your church. You know them. They know you. They know how to contact you. You have some relationship. And then that church says, okay. You ready? Boom. Here's your plane ticket. Here's what you need. Go. And then they go and then whatever they're going to, and they get a basic idea. You tell them and basically to send on their first trip so they can kind of see what they're going to do, what their thinking is. Okay, here's what we're going to need. Then the church says, okay, guys, then you bring it to the local car. Okay, we got that family there. Here's what they need. And then the church steps up and you can send other people from your church there to help work during the summer because it's, you, you can go help. Like you've got your own missionary work that you're right there that you, know people from your church can go there to work to to help to volunteer you can send teenagers there to work and volunteer if they want to go many mission mission trips for teenagers is nothing more as a sightseeing trip with a little bit of, of you know evangelism thrown in some of that just drives me crazy but um I think there's ways to make it I think there's ways to make it work I think there's ways to make it uh, Better. So I, I'm not a fan of, of the way some of this works, but I do agree. You need communication. You need communication. Now he's looking at it that missionaries come back and the church has changed. I look at it that sometimes the church is supporting someone and the missionary is no longer, is no longer even on the mission field. Okay. That, that is, that is, that is not so good as well. So you, you it's just so, weird it's just so weird how it works right it it really is so um yeah i i don't know how you feel about i don't know how your church does missions i don't know how much money your church gives to missions i would just I mean, just it's just my own personal feeling you may want to kind of figure out exactly where the money's going and who's it going to what's even happening like what what what, what, what do you really even know do you have any real clue Because I know that the motivation is right. You're giving because you're like, those people are there. They're doing some great work. But do you have any clue what's happening? Do you know? Other than the little missionary letter that you may get once a month that they may put up on the bulletin board. Like, do you really know? I mean, that's money. Sometimes that's serious money. I've seen churches giving, you know, thousands of dollars to missions each month. And it's like, Okay, well, who are these people? What are they doing? Do we know anything about them? Do we have any clue? Because they showed up one night and... Gave a little presentation and they were like, here you go. Here's $100 a month. We never, never hear from you again. You don't hear their sermons. <laughs> you, you just get a little letter saying, hey, we had, and they can tell you whatever. They can tell you a hundred people got saved. They can tell you 50. You don't have a clue what's accurate or not. I. The whole system just seems so broken. So broken. It just seems so broken. I, I, I like the local church trains, the local church equips, the local church sends, the local church supports that's the way i would really 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 like it to be that's how i would like it to be for missionaries i would i know it doesn't always work that way hey it doesn't always work that way for a lot of of, of ministries right i've i've always said you know if if my church goes away that, that you know that's one of the things i'm trying to prepare for because i think inevitably our church you know it just seems that we're headed that direction at some point Then what happens to this podcast? Well, then I can understand why people don't want to support a pub, Like, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. So I can understand. So it's always better when the local church is supporting because the local church knows exactly what's going—has a better clue of what's going on. So I don't know. Um, I know that's not the point of this sermon, but I think we should at least discuss it. And you—I don't know what your thoughts are. You may have completely different feelings. You may have completely different attitudes about it. I just seen it all like, I just, I just remember before, like, all right, so this missionary shows up, we met them, we saw their presentation, we saw the video, that's like every other video presentation. They did basically the same type of sermon that we've heard everywhere else. You don't even really can tell how good a preacher they are sometimes because it's like, it's the same canned presentation. I hate to say it. It feels like a canned presentation. Like whenever, when a missionary comes to me, I'm like, don't give me the canned presentation. Show me how you handle the word of God go write a sermon today. I don't want your canned presentation. Right. I, 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 but, um, but, and then next thing you know, you're like, they're gone. And you're like, you're okay. We're going to give them 50 or a hundred dollars a month. And they just, you, you don't really ever have any other contact with them ever again in any meaningful way. That's just a, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that, uh, system. All right, but let's continue.
0: Uh, but there's a, I mean, there's like I just say horror stories out there. I knew one missionary uh, who came back and and uh, uh, he he found out that his his church didn't even have Baptist on the on in their name any longer, you know. And and uh, they just, I mean, just floored him and have to find new works and different doctrines and different things. And 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 so, so I I just got thinking about that that number one need and and the Lord brought me to this. These, uh, don't get scared. These chapters, chapter 17 and 18, don't get scared, okay? There, I found out last night there's a clock right up here. I asked pastor Sunday morning, I said, like, preacher, I didn't ask what time to be done. I didn't see a clock anywhere in here because I was looking back there and there wasn't. He said, well, that's all right, no big deal. And he hasn't told me to I've been taking too long anyway, so I guess we could be here all night if we needed to. But but the Lord brought my, my mind to this story because I believe this story brings out uh, a truth that... Uh, it is a problem in America today? I- I-
1: okay, now I'm I'm fascinated by this. A couple of things. Number one, I, I get tired. I, I know as pastors, at least I get tired of hearing it, and I get tired of feeling it. I hate that pastors always have to be worried about time, right? You would think, you would just hope that people show up so hungry for the word of God that they don't, that that the people in the pew aren't worried about time, that nobody's worried about time. Nobody. Everybody just wants the word of God. I do understand you have to use, you got to be reasonable, right? People can't be there for four hours, five hours, six hours. I understand that. But it's just so weird how so many times you got to be so worried about time. And people will tell you, if you preach more than 40 minutes, you lose your audience because nobody can maintain enough attention. It just I, I hate all of that, but, but I, 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 do think interesting that it looks like he's going to focus on something that he thinks is wrong in America. Does he, is he going to talk about something that he thinks is wrong in the country? Something that is wrong in the church? Now, now I'm a little bit fascinated. So we're done with his kind of missionary introduction. All right. he He's kind of given his apology or telling everyone not to worry. Hey, two chapters. I know you could be scared. Okay. All right. He says that. All right Maybe that's more of just his icebreaker, maybe more of an icebreaker than he really is concerned about time. because sometimes as a pastor you try to break the ice, okay got it. Now, what is the issue he's going to talk about that he thinks is a problem in America or a problem in the church? Well, it's judges 17, and if it's the story of Micah, I have a pretty good idea what this ish- issue is getting ready to be, all right? And it starts with an I, right? You probably know what it is. All right. Here we go.
0: I do. I believe it's a problem in American churches today, and, and I believe it's, it's, listen, although this, I wouldn't say, man, this is just uh, some of these messages I preach, absolute missions messages. I, I, I'm just uh, wondering, if we're really going to remember our missionary, we better remember what's going on here at home. We better remember that. For their sake, we better, we better take care of that. And, and so I'm going to kind of read through chapter 17 and 18 with commentary, okay? We're, we're going to get through them quickly, and then we'll get in the message. And uh, you say, "Who's coming here?" Mine. I I like my mind wanders as I read. I am ADD. I mean, I'm telling you. I I mean. Uh, when I was a kid, I mean, to sit still for 30 seconds, that was like, that was a hardship. I understand where some of you little kids are right now, because I, I did not know how to sit still at all, you know, so my mind wanders as I read. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a slow reader, uh, because mostly I'll read something, and I'll be like, I don't know what that means, and they'll take me off to find out what that means, or what's that word mean, and I'll find out, well, you're just mispronouncing the word you Really do know what the word is, but but or or something like that, or or I'll read something and it'll get me sidetracked another way. So I do like I, I read slow because of that. But but just let's just walk through these two chapters and then we'll get to this truth. The title of tonight's session, sermon session sermon I'm gonna preach. Uh, it's is this When God Is Not Enough. When God is not enough. Now, now look
1: that's interesting. Uh, when God is Not Enough was his title, but they titled it Micah the Dirt Bag. When God is Not Enough, and it turned into Micah the Dirt Bag. When God is Not Enough, I think, is a much more, I think, is a better title. I don't know, but Micah the Dirt Bag definitely caught my attention. Uh, Okay. So, someone just said that their daughter just said repeating after you, uh don't be uh don't be scared people, your podcast is being dramatic. Okay, well, um am, am I being dramatic? Am, am I dramatic? I don't think I'm dramatic. I don't think I am. I um I'm not dramatic. I I never I'm never I'm never dramatic. I mean, that's the most that's there's just no way. I mean, Nobody would ever listen to me and say that I'm being dramatic. Nobody, nobody. I mean, that's the, nobody would ever say that. I am the opposite of dramatic. I'm like, I'm so not dramatic that people probably get bored and fall asleep. Okay, all right. Wow, people are being critical today. All right, back to the sermon, back to the sermon before I was so rudely interrupted. All right, back to the sermon. All right, so um, it's interesting that they, they went with, the title, you know, When God is Not Enough, and they, it changed to Micah the Dirtbag. I will say Micah the Dirtbag definitely caught my attention, but When God is Not Enough may have a, a more profound spiritual implication, so especially considering it's Judges 17. So I think I know where this is going. It's just interesting. That there was obviously a, someone decided to change the title. I don't know who, but uh, let's see where this goes.
0: Look at this, chapter number 17, verse number 1, and it says, And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was... Micah, and I just want to point out the the fact of the location that the Word of God gives us here, Mount Ephraim, as as it is. Uh, it, it was a re, a region, and I I understand it is a mount, right? It can be a mountain, but it, it was a mountainous region. And in fact, in the in the book of Second Chronicles, you'll read of other mountains in Mount Ephraim, and, and you say, "How's that work?" Well, if you went to Washington State, where we lived in Washington State, and and uh, and you went to Mount Baker. Right, You go to the Mount Baker Ski Area, and behind my desk, I have a picture that I took. It's the greatest picture I think I've ever taken. It's, it's a picture lake. You can look that up later. Uh, and it's on Mount, in the Mount Baker Ski Area, picture lake. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a reflection of a mountain peak in this crystal clear lake. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. And the mountain peak that is there on Mount Baker Ski Area is not Mount Baker. It's Mount Shuxim. Right, so uh, uh, you have to drive up the up the mountainside further to actually get to a point where you can look up at the peak of Mount Baker. That's fifteen hundred feet higher than Mount Shuxon. I mean, in fact, from uh, uh, unless you're in the air or there on the mountain, you, from when you're standing down in Bellingham, you can see Mount Baker. You don't see Mount Shuckston at all because it's hidden behind Mount Baker. So it's a, it's a, it's a mountainous region. In, in the mountainous region uh, uh, that is there, you find a couple different places. I, this, this is just point of interest uh, 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 information. Uh, you would find out that Bethel, the house of God, is in Mount Ephraim, it's in that region. Uh, we, we'd understand that Shiloh, Shiloh. In fact, at the end of chapter uh, uh, number 18, Shiloh is mentioned. It, it says, and they set up uh, uh, Micah's graven image, which, were, which he made, this is the last verse of chapter 18, all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. But Shiloh as well, we would find out, is in that Mount Ephraim area. It's within 10 miles of, of, of what is considered actually Mount Ephraim specifically but uh, uh, from what I study. But it's right there in that region. And so uh, I, I'm just pointing this out as we get into our story tonight. It, it's not as if this man Micah that we're reading about didn't have the truth or that it was far from him. It's not that he did not have opportunity to do right according to the command of God and the will of God for his life it is that we are going to find out that he refused to do it God's way and he refused to do it with God's plan and so I want us to keep that in mind uh, as we read because uh, as we read about this man Micah we find out he didn't do things God way we also if we read verse 2 3 uh, find out he's kind of a dirt bag because he stole from his mother yeah, he, stole, he stole silver from his mother, stole money from his mother, and his mother cursed it, and he got scared about that, gave it back to mom. And, and, and then mom said, well, you know what? Uh, I was just going to make graven images with it anyway. And so he said, well, great, let's make graven images. And so uh, uh, they made graven images for their house of gods. Good Jewish people. No, 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 good, serv- good children of God. Let's make some graven images with this stolen money, son. And Pick up in verse number 5. It says... And the man Micah had a house of gods right next to Shiloh. I mean, right next to the house of God, right? Bethel, you know. He had a house of gods, little G, and made an ephod and a teraphim and, and consecrated uh, one of his sons who became his priest. And I just wrote in the side you know, the side of my Bible right there as if he had the authority to do that. Because he didn't. He had no authority wherewith to do this, but he, he did it anyway. He took it upon himself uh, uh, to do this thing. And it says in verse 6, well, how in the world would he think it was right to do this? Well, verse 6 reminds us, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes.
1: All i right, right, I'm, I'm going, I don't know which direction he's going to take this, but it is an interesting... Picture, right? I mean, it's a historical event, but it serves as an interesting picture because, uh, and the man Micah had a house of gods and he basically then sets up his own religion. He creates these gods. He, he seems to set aside his son, one of his sons who became his priest. He, he creates the gods. He creates his own religion. He appoints a priest. And he does this because there was a time at that time, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, let we, we have to at least be honest with this, no matter how uncomfortable it is. But I mention this constantly. There was a time, if you look at the history of Christianity, where the church maintained was the authority, right? No one could just go do what was right in their own eyes. The church declared what was dogma. They declared what you believed. And they declared you to be anathema if you did not believe it. The church maintained the authority they did, they made the dogmas but we all know what happened with Luther he are, he fought against the church in a sense he broke away. And denied their authority and said, you don't have the authority. He made the argument that the authority was found in the scriptures. It was the scriptures alone that was the authority. And that sounds so good and that preaches so good. Every October, sola scriptura, Luther stood against the church. He nailed his 95 thesis upon the door and said, no, I am not going to bow my knee to that authority when I am completely surrendered to the authority of God's word alone. It's God's word alone. It's not the church. It's the scriptures. And that sounds so good. That preaches so good. And you can make a great Reformation Day sermon on all of that. You can have a great Reformation Day celebration on all of that. The only problem is we know what inevitably happened. What inevitably happened is we replaced the authority of the church with the authority of the individual. Now the individual gets to declare what is true, what is false, what is dogma, and who is anathema. Now we say we do it based off the scriptures, but the reality is it's the individual over the scriptures, because if it was really the scriptures, you would think there would be far more unity and far more agreement. But it's everyone's own individual, their own their own idea, their own theological system. So in a roundabout way, you can look at it, and this does describe a lot of what has happened. We have a house of our own, the God of our own making— Where we ordain ourselves to be the spiritual authority, and then we do what is right in our own eyes. There's a little bit of truth to that. And I know we don't want that to be the case. We want to argue that that's not the case. But just look at all of the things that's happened since the Protestant Reformation. One group starts, another group starts, another group starts. This church splits, and then this church turns into this church, and this denomination splits, and these people leave this denomination to start a new denomination, and then this, and arguing, and fighting, and debating, and no, no no, 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 no. And condemnation. And they're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, they're wrong. And we don't agree on any theological issues. Think of all the disagreements. Now you say, well, what is the solution? Well, the only solution is to really get back to the scriptures and elevate the scriptures above our theological systems and even above ourselves. But we have a very, very difficult time in doing so. And here's Micah like, hey, I I have a house of gods. I'm going to have a priest. Because I'm going to do what is right in my own eyes. In other words, his idolatry, is it idol- Is he worshiping gods or is he really elevating a worshiping self? Is idolatry really, if we really think about it, is idolatry really just self-worship in disguise? Like we create a God. I mean, you know, the, the old saying, God created man in his image and man returned the favor. Man returned the fit we recreated God into our own image, and idolatry is simply an a extension of self-worship. let's see what he does with this. let's see which direction he goes with this And there was
0: a young man out of Bethel uh, uh, out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. And he sojourned there, and the man departed out of the city of Bethlehem, Judah, and to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to the Mount Ephraim, into the house of Micah, and he sojourned. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest and i will give thee ten shekels of silver by year and a suit of apparel uh with thy victuals so the levite went in and the levite was content uh, uh to dwell with the man and the young man was uh unto him one of his sons and micah look at this and micah consecrated the levite again as if he had any authority to do so any more authority to make a house of God, any more authority to make his own teraphim and his own ephod, which again all point to the fact that he actually knew what God had said come on he was just doing it his own way and the fact that he was excited about this levite coming in and now hey let's let you take the place of my son who i consecrated to be uh now i have a levite under my house look what he says in verse number uh 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 uh, the end of verse number 12 micah consecrated the levite and the young man came a priest and he was in micah's house and then said micah now i know the lord will do me good seeing i have a levite in my house uh, uh in my uh, to my priest the lord's gonna do you good because you've made a house of god's graven images and and, and and have pulled one of his priests into your home for him to help you serve god your way god's gonna do us real good it's gonna be blessing big blessings coming big blessings well you get into chapter number 18 again we we've got the whole chapter we're we're gonna get through it quickly but you get into chapter number 18
1: it does kind of raise a question, not only this idolatry doing basically worshiping yourself, you can see that even, even when he connects it to God, it's still about self. Hey, now that I have this, God's going to bless me. And, and we, we all, we constantly have to ask ourselves how much of our faith, how much of our belief, how much of it is. It's for selfish reasons. How much of it is we believe so we know that we were going to get this, this, and that? How much of it is we believe in God, follow God, trust God, serve God? We want to do these things because of what God will do for me. Because we want blessings. We want blessings. In other words, sometimes we really, I mean, I hate to say it so many times, and this is just true, whether we want to admit it. So much of our worship of God is really nothing more than self-worship. God is a means to our blessing. God is a means to our benefit. God is simply the tool we use to receive benefit, to receive benefits. We worship God for self or in other words we really the worship of God is nothing more than a disguise for our own self-worship. So many times we 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 have look it's just Because of our sinful nature, this, I, I think human history proves this. We do so much for our own benefit, our own self. We, 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 we love for what we get from it. We do this for what we get from it. We worship God for what we get from it. We do, we do things for our own self advancement, our own self pleasure and our own self benefit. So much of it, we, we disguise so much, especially within Christianity. We're so good at wrapping it all in a robe of self-righteousness. But in reality, it's just disguises that it's me, 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 me. So I think we can see a little bit of ourselves here in Micah. At least I think we can. Let's see where he's going to take this in 18.
0: And this is what you find. You find the story of the Danites. I mentioned them last night. I mentioned that there were tribes in the nation of Israel that never did possess the land's that God wanted them to possess. They never did receive the blessings that God wanted them to to possess. Some of those tribes got portions of what God wanted them to have, but not all of what God wanted them to have. And and the tribe of Dan uh, didn't get any of what God wanted them to have. And the battles were too great. And so they just decided, listen, we're going to send you guys out as spies. Go find us a place that we can take because it's too much work to possess what God wants us to have. It's going to be too much labor to take that. So go out and find us something that we might be able to have and they went out and and they searched around and they came across the house of micah five men out of the tribe of dan came across the house of micah got talking to the priest talking about the idolatry that's what was taking place there in the house of micah the the idolatry that was there and they said oh that's interesting and that's kind of neat and and then they went on their way and and in verse number uh, uh, seven they found the city of laish and as they go to the city of laish they see a city that was. I, can I say it this way? Easy for the Pickens, and, and they say, "Man, these people will be easy to take over." So they go back to the to the, the the tribe, and, and they say, "Listen, we found a spot that's going to be easy for us to take, and, and, and let's go up and, and and let's possess it, and and, and it'll be very easy." Uh, 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 and and it says in verse number twenty, it's amazing in, in the in the wickedness that's going on here. Uh, it, it says in verse number ten, "God hath given it unto our hands." Well, how did they know? Because they asked the priest that was in Micah's house, what do you think about what we're doing? He said, oh, God's definitely with you. I mean, I'm telling you, they're getting some good confirmation for what they're doing, right? Going totally against the plan of God, but God's confirming and God's in everything that is going on. And so 600 men go up to the city of Laish, and they go up to destroy the city of Laish, and they turn in hither, and they take, uh, 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 and they turn in hither on their way to Laish, unto the house of Micah again. And it says this in verse number uh, uh, fourteen. And, and then they answered the five men uh, uh, that went to spy out the country of Laish and said unto their brethren, Do you know there is in these houses an ephod and a teraphim and, and a graven image and a molten <laughs> image? Now therefore consider that ye have uh, uh, what ye have to, uh, to do. And they turned thither thitherward and they came to the house of the young man, the Levite, and, and even unto the house of Micah and so. Saluted him, And the 600 men appointed uh, uh, them their weapons of war, uh, uh, which are of uh, the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. And the five men that went to spy the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim. And you say, this is terrible. Remember, it was all made with stolen money to begin with. That's what it was made with it says and the molten image and the priest stood in the entering of the gate of the 600 men uh, uh, that were appointed with weapons of war and these went in with Micah uh, into Micah's house and they fetched the carved image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image and they said unto the priest uh, then said the priest to them what do ye and they said unto him hold thy peace lay thine hand upon thy mouth go with us and be look at this unto us not just unto micah that's what micah said be unto me in chapter 17 and verse number 10 be unto me a high priest a father and a priest he said be unto us a father and a priest is it better for thee to be a priest unto a house of one man or that thou mightest be a priest unto a tribe and a family in israel and look at verse 20 and the priest's heart was glad you mean I, I get more? <laughs> more for me? His heart was glad and he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image and they went to the midst uh, and he went in the midst of the people and, and the rest of the chapter Micah comes out and says what are you doing and they said we're taking your stuff we're taking your priest and, and if you want to die you can do something about it. And then they went up to the city of Laish and they laid waste to the city uh, of Laish and they named it and gave it a new name that we read about later on in the, uh, uh, in the Old Testament record uh, uh, when they get to the story of Jeroboam. Dan becomes a very interesting city because in this city where they established this new religion with this young man who was a priest unto them and a father unto them uh, and they had their own ephod and their own worship and their own idolatry uh, it was an easy place for Jeroboam when he sinned against God to establish the worship of a golden calf in a city named Dan and tonight I just want to look at this thought when God is not enough
1: All right. There's a lot we could do with this story, but you see, everyone is selfish. Everyone is focused on themselves. They're not focused on the true God, but they still want some semblance of religion. They, they're seeking out answers that they want. Like so many times within, even within Christendom, cre- Christendom, God, all of that can just be nothing more than, I hate to say it. It's just kind of a, it's just there and we're utilized. It's all just a tool that we use we, we look people can use Christianity and use the Bible to justify almost any action justify any choice we 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 can use God to justify hatred we can use God to justify really bad things. And people have done it throughout church history because so many times what we claim is the worship of God, the serving of God, the following of God is really nothing more than the worship of self, serving self and follow self. And we do so at the expense of God. We do so by using God. See, see, he he's going to focus on when God is not enough. I don't think this is about God not being enough. This is about them just utilizing the entire trappings of of religion and just using it all to formulate their own. Like how much of, I, I, it, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, how much of my Christianity is really, truly God-centric, Christ-centric focus and how much of it is really just me taking it and turning it into my own religion, into my own self-worship? But I'm still utilizing God to justify it and to support it. And they're taking the concept of God. They're taking concept of the priesthood. They're taking these things that are true and then, then modifying them so that then it best serves them. How many times do I go to the Bible and I utilize it for my own benefit, my own, my own self-will, my own desire, Let's see, let's see how, what, where else he takes this.
0: I want to make this statement to you because I believe it to be a very important statement uh, as we talk through the thoughts uh, uh, that I have written down here. Uh, but it's this, idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. Idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction uh, uh, with God.
1: All right, idolatry, idolatry is the byproduct, you may want to write this down, is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God, all right? I don't know if I can read my own writing, but there we go. I, I scribbled it down on paper, all right? Idolatry is the byproduct of man's dis men's dissatisfaction with God. That's his hypothesis. I don't I struggle with that. I think idolatry is the is the outworking of our own self-worship. Idolatry is simply the outworking. It's the external manifestation of self-worship. I don't know if idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. I think idolatry is the external sign. It's the reality of self-worship. We, 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 we choose idols because we're really worshiping ourself. It's just an extension of self-worship. I don't know if it's a dissatisfaction with God. It's a replacement of God. It's like, okay, look, look, yeah. And and we may still call it God, but we're replacing God with an idol because we're worshiping ourselves. Look, the man's heart, your desire, my desire, no matter how no matter how much we clean this up, no matter how much we hide it, no matter how many fig leaves we cover ourselves with. Here is the reality of your heart and the reality of my heart. I want to be God. You want to be God. You want your self-worship. You want your way. You want your desires met. You want your pleasure. You want your way over anybody else's way. You're selfish. It's about you, 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 over and over and over. That's manifest. It manifests itself in every single way, in relationships, in daily activity. uh, The selfishness arises inside of all of us because I I say it all the time. The sin nature. The very essence of the sin nature is the exaltation of the self. Or I tend to sometimes try to play a a little clever game. The exaltation of the eye, right? The, the, the sin is the exaltation of the eye. It's, it's the, of the individual of self and, and idolatry is just the outward manifestation of that. You're like, Oh, that, that person is, that's their idol. No, their idols themselves. Okay. Their idol is themselves. The reason that's, what's getting their worship and their attention is because it, it, it's about them. I don't know if it's a byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. I think it's a it's the outworking of self worship. It's the external evidence of a a person who worships self. And we we worship ourselves far more than we ever want to admit. I have a different take on it. You can see which one you would you prefer to go with. All right, let's continue.
0: There was no king in the nation of Israel, no person to physically represent God here on earth. So the men were in Israel, did that which was right in their own sight. And we read about one misled person after another uh, 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 going their own way and falling into sin. And then them having to cry out for God and God raises up a deliverer to deliver them. And and, and here, as you get toward the end of the book of Judges, you find some of the most crazy things that you read about the nation of Israel, quite often honestly it gets weirder from here in the book of judges gets stranger and stranger as men did that which was right in their own eyes and 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 they were to be a peculiar people set aside to god and to god alone And, and the reason they did not have a king in israel is because god desired to be the king no, he desired, he desired that they'd look to him. He wanted that they would follow after him and that they would, uh, they wouldn't be looking to a man, but they'd be looking to God. And the purpose of the priest, uh, uh, was that he might be able to point men to God. That's what he was there for, that he might be able to, uh, uh, uh show people how they might be able to be right with God and, and, and go before the presence of God. The story of Israel as a nation, they would rather live life how they saw it than to live accountable to a holy God.
1: They would rather live their life for themselves, their way, their will, their morality, their thoughts, their pleasure, their selfishness. Again, he's saying idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. I believe idolatry is simply the outworking of self-worship. It's the, nat- we worship self. That's what we do. We, we are the God we worship. We are the God we love. We are the God we desire to serve It's self. That's the whole thing about, you know, whenever October comes around, everybody talks about Halloween and Satanism and well, Satanism is the, is a, a Satanism, the Anton LaVey form of Satanism. If I had my Satanic Bible here, I would, I would, I could, I could uh, read it to you. In fact, may- oh wait, hang on. I have it right here. Yeah, right here on the floor. I didn't even realize it. Yeah, here's the Satanic Bible. I have it right here in my hand, right? Okay. I know everybody gets mad when I do this, but it's just, I just show you, this is, this is, this is us. This is who we are, whether we like it or not. This is who we are inside. It's the sinful nature is selfishness with a capital S, right? And about 57 exclamation marks, right? Here are the nine Satanic statements. Here are the nine Satanic statements of anyone who would be joined the church of Satan, who's truly going to follow Satanism. Satanism is atheistic. It doesn't believe in a literal devil. Satanism is about the worship of self. And it goes on to say, here's number one, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. That's you indulge. Why? Because you want to indulge, right? I mean, the whole Anton LaVey created Satanism because he believed Christianity was the greatest hypocrisy is because people are claiming to worship a God that requires denying self. And nobody wants to deny self. Everybody wants to satisfy and indulge themselves. So why pretend just go ahead and worship the God that you want to worship, which is yourself. Okay. So Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Indulge, indulge what you want. Number two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. In other words, don't worry about heaven. Don't worry about that vital existence right now, right here. You can feel it. Get what you want. Don't worry about some, and you know, somewhere far, far away and a galaxy far, far away. No, no, don't worry about some heaven that you don't know you're not there yet. Focus on the where, or earth where you currently live and get what you desire now. Number three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. In other words, stop pretending to be that which you're not. Just be undefiled wisdom is to acknowledge the reality. This is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I'm going to get. Right? Number four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on end grades. Hey, don't, don't waste your love on someone who doesn't uh, appreciate it. Don't waste your love for because you're loving someone that's not giving back. You shouldn't do that. Love what you're going to, something that's going to benefit you. Number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Why turn the other cheek? You don't want to turn the other cheek, strike them down. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires hey be responsible for people who are responsible don't waste your time and effort for people who are lazy and and are just take advantage over you don't do that number number seven Satan represents man as just another animal sometimes better more often worse than those that walk on all fours who because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development has become the most vicious animal of all acknowledge we're the most vis- vicious animal of all we are selfish we Self-seeking, we are hateful, unloving, backstabbing, gossip. Just acknowledge what we really are. Stop pretending to be something that we're not. Number eight, Satan represents all the so-called sins, as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Hey, all these things that you're trying to abstain from—that's will—that's what will gratify you. Come on, go ahead and get it. And number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had, as it's kept it in business all these years. Those are the nine uh, statements. From the Satanic Bible, those are the nine things you really accept to become a Satanist. That's that's, that's who we really are in our nature. We don't want to admit that. And when you see all of this stuff going on in Judges, you're seeing idolatry is the outworking of our own self-worship. Whatever my idol is, if you were to look at my life and go, here, here, here's your three idols. You know what that would, and I would be like, you're right. You're, those probably are my three idols. But you know what it really proves is because the God that I probably truly worship, if I'm even remotely honest, is myself.
0: That's the story that we see and read of Israel, especially in the book of Judges. Uh, uh, Understand with me, uh, just like men today, uh, 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 we we desire to live our life uh, uh, not for his kingdom and for his will, but we are wrapped up in our own kingdoms. No, no, we're wrapped up in our own direction. We can get wrapped up so easily and and, and we can get going so far away from the purposes of of God. Uh, Even though we might know a little bit about what God wants from us, we can find ourselves far away from where God desires for us to be. And instead of God being high and lifted up in our lives, uh, He is at best just one more thing that we do. I'm, I'm telling you... Good Christian people uh, and good churches can get to that place where God is just something else that we do. Church is just something else that we do. Uh, it's not at all that where God wanted His people to be. He He did not desire that He would just be one thing that they did. He desired that He would be the center of everything that the that His people did and everything that His people worked. Uh, were uh, He He didn't just desire that He was on an equal playing field with the work that they had to do. That's not what God wanted. He didn't want to be on an equal playing field with the family. He he did not desire that at all. That's not where God's like, man. If I could just be co-equal with with the institution of the family, that's not God's desire. He desires to be center and number one. Uh, if I could just be equal in, with somebody's hobbies, if they can, if they have a hobby, if me and golf were on an equal playing field, that would just be fantastic with me. Uh, I mean, if me in a wood shop somewhere, uh, I mean, if they if they spend as much time with a wood shop as they did with me, if they thought about the wood shop as much as they do with me, or the garden, or whatever the hobby might be. That is not God's desire at all. In fact, he said this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's his heart's desire that's his heart's desire. But I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to beat anybody up tonight. I'm not trying to be mean at all. I think I think it's very easy for each and every one of us, if we are not careful to find ourselves a leveling God down to a earthly plane with with things that are temporal and things that don't matter, instead of holding him up to be the holy, righteous God that he is, where he is the center of everything that we do. And if it doesn't Line up with God, then we're going to get it out of our life. And if it keeps distracts us from God, then we're going to keep it away from our life. And if it doesn't just direct us to God, it's just not for us. That's where God wants each and every one of us to live, and that's what He desires. You say, I think uh, maybe we could take this too far, and I think a lot of Christianity thinks maybe we just can take this too far. But but I'm telling you what, you just can't. You cannot take God being the center of your life, the center of your world, the center of your being, cannot be taken more seriously. And sadly, the nation of Israel did not take it uh, 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 very seriously.
1: Okay, now, we're going to have to stop there. I would challenge you to listen to the rest of this sermon. It's called Micah the Dirtbag. Uh, You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app, the Sermon Audio website please look it up, Micah the Dirtbag. You can skip down to about 27 minutes to go if you would like, and you can listen to the rest. If you hear something that you think I need to review by, let me know. Let me know. But I want to end with this, right? Because this is where this, this leaves us in a great place. I want you to ask yourself in your Christianity, how much of your Christianity is really nothing more than your own self-worship and your own elevation of self? Where does self really fit into your Christianity? How much is it about you, 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 and how much of it is about him? In what ways is self, you've replaced God with self. Now you still call it God. See, that's the whole thing with idolatry, right? Remember that that's, that's sometimes what happens in many, and many forms of idolatry. God is replaced, but we still refer to it as God, right? Hey, let's build a golden calf and we'll say, this is the God that delivered us out of Egypt. Now, in other words, we still may want to associate that idol with God, but in reality, how many times have we replaced self with God while we're claiming to still be worshiping God? We're claiming they created an entire religion, Micah did. He, he created an entire house of gods, a priesthood, found himself a priest, but still thought God would bless him. We 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 it's it's like we claim it's Christianity, we claim we're worshiping God, but it's all self, 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 self. self. It's easy to do that in every, I can't speak for how this would apply to you. When I sit down in front of this microphone, am I doing it for you or am I doing it for me? Am I am I putting forth hours and hours of work to benefit people or am I doing it to ultimately benefit me? Pastors have to ask themselves that question. People sitting in the pew, all of us, who's it really about? And sometimes if we would just lay aside all of our Lies and all of our self deception, what we would see is that we, the one who is high and lifted up is self. We'll leave it there. The sermon is called Micah the Dirt Bag. We didn't even come close to reviewing most of it. Probably got 27 minutes left, maybe more. So there's a lot more there. Go look it up on the Sermons 2.0 app. If you listen to it, I want your I want, I want, want your full review. I want I want everything. I want all your thoughts. Email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Someone may be going, well, why aren't you going to finish it? We're at 67 minutes. We've got like 27 minutes left of sermon. That would be at least another hour to two hours of review that's why so um but if you want me to finish it i got no problem coming back and working on it but i think we just left with a i think we got some good spiritual food right there i think we got some good spiritual food right how much of my worship of god is really nothing more than the worship of self in disguise send me your feedback news if yahoo.com to to the uh, to the daughter who thought I was being a little too dramatic. Well, you know, come on, come on, y- you gotta like being a little bit dramatic, right? Who wants boring, right? Okay, all right, all right. No, so yeah, I'm always accused of being a little dramatic, but that's okay. All right, email me newsif at yahoo dot com. Newsif at yahoo dot com. Thanks for listening. Please meditate on these very important things. Have a great day, and may God bless you.